Put the suckers works out, man, it's time to drink. You know, all I need is some afterward drinks. This is how we do when the week is through. Welcome to the After Work Drinks Podcast. Here are your hosts. That's right. Welcome to the story of the lost episode. Much like the Loch Ness Monster and Bigfoot, it has long been rumored to be a thing. But oh yes, the lost episode is real. As always, I am your host Pooch, and man, I don't even know where to begin uh, on this story, but uh, essentially, what you're about to listen to is content that was recorded back in December. Yeah, half a year ago. And you ask yourself, how exactly does that get air quotes? You can't see me doing it, but I'm doing it. Got the fingers, got the air quotes going on. How exactly does that get lost? Oh, well, strap in, my friends. Let me try to tell you the rambling, fast version. Uh, You see, shortly after this was recorded, I suffered some bulging discs in my neck. Uh, Those bulging discs were compressing some nerves and uh, basically like my C3 through C7 was under some stress. Uh, I had numbness, I had tingling, I had pain, I had stiffness of joints in my hands and fingers. I got put on meds, I got sent to physical therapy and then, you know, all this other stuff starts to go down. There's obviously lately been civil unrest. There's been protests against systemic racism. There's rioting and looting by some not cool groups of people that made it even harder on businesses that were already severely impacted over the past several months by coronavirus, COVID-19, pandemic, shutdowns, fearing every cough and sneeze I had could be the onset of the virus. I even lost my job because of pandemic-related cuts back on May 1st, but was fortunate that when I mentioned that fact on social media, an old friend who I've known for over 15 years saw it, told me his company had an opening, said send me your resume, I interviewed a few days later, got offered the job, started later that month, boom. It was a series of unfortunate events followed by a very fortunate one, and probably the epitome of right place, right time, and having met some great people over the years. And one of those people was my guest, on this lost episode that was recorded back in December. His name is Scott Sweeney. So yeah, he helped me get a new job when everyone around me was losing theirs, so at the very least, I owe him this episode finally seeing the light of day half a year later, now that life has calmed down a bit, uh, both for myself personally and for pretty much everybody on planet Earth, because it's been something else, has it not? Man, it was supposed to be part of our holiday special. Now this thing, it's more of Christmas in July, but fuck it. I heavily edited the content, and here we are. Uh, In addition to Scott, this episode also features his friend and fellow musician, Dan Wade, and a guy who's been on a few times before, my buddy Pico. So we'll be bouncing back and forth between music and beer, music and beer, music and beer. So let's do this. I'll jump back in as needed to narrate, much like I'm doing right now, and set the stage for any massive edits and time jumps that were made to the hours of content that were recorded. Because this episode literally has it all. We've got music, we've got bands, we've got band breakups, we've got an original Christmas song. I'm not taking it out, man. Christmas in July, right? Got New Year's resolutions that were probably broken or unfulfilled either because of COVID or our own frickin' laziness. And, uh, you know, what else am I missing here? That's right. Beer. I mean, they're old beers, but hey, you're listening to them. You're not drinking them, so it's okay. 
This is the Afterwork Drinks Podcast Lost Episode. Yes, live to tape in this padded room. Uh, it's a studio. I don't have a cute name for this studio, but it's our studio, damn it. Afterwork Drinks Podcast, and uh, I've got some special musical guests because sometimes we have entertaining people from uh, the music industry or comedy or whatever the hell people do, man. We're all creatives out here doing our thing. Uh, I have with me today Scott Sweeney and Dan Wade. Guys, how are you doing? Good. How are you doing? Doing good. So, uh, man, there there is a, a history here. Uh, I was a college radio guy back in the day at St. Xavier University, and I, I've mentioned that on here before. A lot of the guests that I've had on are, are through relationships that were fostered like over 15 years ago. And Scott, uh, you hit me up recently, and you said like, hey, I got this thing going on. Remember that band way back in the day when we were young? That band that I was in? We're getting the band back together. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about this, man. Uh, let's let's talk about your your bands back in the day. Scott, you were in Seraphine and uh, Dan Treaty of Paris. So uh, I'll let you go first, Scott. Uh, tell me just in a nutshell, because I mean, there obviously there's however many years that the band was. Um, we don't need your your whole uh, you know backlog, but just how did you guys get together? Uh, what would you say was one of your like proudest accomplishments that you did back in that time, and uh, why did it why did it not work out? Yeah, that's. All very, very good questions. You know, Seraphine existed as a band from 2000 to 2004, and we, uh, you know, we were relatively established in Chicago. You know, we played um, a lot of big venues. We did your radio show, which was a huge, huge accomplishment for us. Clearly, okay, we can stop there. That okay. was your biggest accomplishment. Uh, Nothing biggest else accomplishment. happened. But you know, we, you know, we, we toured around the country, did that whole thing. Um, you know, we headlined Metro, probably considered, I would say that's probably our best accomplishment, even if, um, you know, without mentioning and name dropping different bands you play with, because most of them don't exist anymore. But I was, I was a cool radio DJ guy. Yeah. You were wearing button down shirts with ties on stage at the Metro. I remember this shit. Spiky hair. Spiky yeah. hair. <laughs> uh, you know, I would say we were a regional band, right? We weren't just a local band. We played a lot of shows and, um, you know, our guitar player, Phil uh, Kosh, who went on to form Treaty of Paris, um, which is kind of the backstory we we're getting into. So that's the, the common denominator, the bridge, yeah. as to, to yeah. your guys' relationship a little bit. And like, uh, I, I mean, kind of. I mean, me and, you know, we, we started playing shows with Empyrean in 2001. Empyrean is my old band. Yeah. Pre Treaty of Paris, because Treaty of Paris is also my old band now. <laughs> that is actually very true. Uh, you know, we, we started playing shows with them, and we probably played 30 plus shows with them over the time. We were, they're probably like our our best friend band. You know, like every band's got like their best friends that they play with, and, and they were our band. And then, you know, as Seraphine was kind of stagnating is probably the best word. You know, we released our album in 2004, and we put a lot of effort into it. It didn't sound as good as we wanted it to. It was a rough experience. And then over the course of like the next six months, the bands were... Our band specifically was stagnating, and I would probably say Empyrean was stagnating as well. And Dan and Phil worked together at the Double Door at the time. Phil kind of fit along with what they were trying to do. And then eventually I found out through uh, AOL Instant Messenger that Phil was quitting my band. Oh, we're so dating ourselves and, now. And, and I remember using AOL a lot. And joining Empyrean because um, 
I uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a great story because here's the best part of the story. This is the absolute best so the, part. Of the story. So this is the, the the how did it end part of oh, my question. Oh, it's a funny how did it end too. So <laughs> the betrayal, uh, the betrayal. So I'm uh, I'm Phil sends me an instant message because that's what we did, right? And he said, "Hey man, I think I'm taking some time away." Uh, from from playing uh, shows, uh, uh, you know, I want to focus on the business end of things. You know, my career. You know, I booked the Double Door. I'm trying to work on, you know, getting that. I feel like I could predict the ending. He was oh. taking some time off, but he was playing with a different band a couple of weeks later. No, no, it's 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 much worse than that. Uh, <laughs> that night, that was their first show. It was it was that day that he had said that <laughs> in the morning, and then I turn on. Q101 because Imperian was doing the afternoon drive show. Yeah. Uh, the afternoon drive show that day. And Phil Kosh <laughs> announces himself as a guitar player of Imperian. Um, but just the business side. He's not playing out. No, He's he not doing shows. Because that was the business side. The business side was he was going to manage Imperian, which Phil was like fucking 27. Like, who's just going to quit doing music? To, to manage a fucking band of like twenty four year olds, like it didn't make any sense at all. Really, it didn't. It made no sense. But of course, like, why would? He had also told every other band member, but me at that time that it was. And Webb didn't know. But like, he told Chad in Iowa City like a month earlier. Our fucking videographer Jeff knew. Like every <laughs> everybody knew but me. And then so so later on that night, I see I see Dan's uh, AOL screen name pop up on Instant Messenger. I'm like, hey man, Phil is doing uh, doing more than uh, just playing uh, managing your band, right? And I said yes. And then I heard. Goodbye. <laughs> Scott has left the chat. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and I, I blocked him for like two months. It was pretty hey, funny. but here we are now sitting together. Hey. We're all friends. Hey, we were in each other's weddings, so it, we got through it. Give me the Cliff's notes on, on how Treaty formed. Biggest accomplishment or two maybe that you guys are proud of. You hang your head on to this day. And uh, why didn't that work out? It's a lot. So <laughs> It is a lot. It's a lot. All right. Treaty of Paris formed, like Scott said, kind of out of the ashes of our two previous bands. And we had kind of conceived of this idea to bring Phil on board because our band was kind of failing in part because none of us were business guys. And we knew Phil was a business guy. He had the motivation and the tenacity and all those skills uh, needed that none of us had to just create opportunities for our band we wanted to go because we wanted to shove it up phil's ass that yeah. was the, i mean his brother was yes. still in our band so that was the whole point the whole point was like sibling well, rivalry when we i'm were, gonna shove it up my brother's ass yeah <laughs> out of context that sounds horrible yeah but that was that i mean that was the reality but then you know what probably about halfway through that we kind of real i mean then we all got older right and then we kind of realized like okay well treaty is Treaty is actually doing it. We weren't doing it. Like Treaty was on full warp tours and they were signed to a record label and they were doing real things and we were just you're, opening you're, up. You're stealing his, your, oh, your, your proudest moments. <laughs> I know. That, uh, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that Phil did probably inappropriate is he probably should have just manned up early in fucking November and just said, Hey, I'm quitting this band because we don't, I don't think you're going anywhere. I would have been pissed for a while because of course you take it personal, but he made the right decision. Like Seraphine wasn't going. I, I would say, I would say the silver lining to how he did it is I think a lot of us do things like that because 
you guys are friends. He yeah. doesn't want to hurt you. Yeah. So he don't want to do the cold turkey thing. It's probably from a business sense what would have been most fair for everybody. But it, being like close friends, like you, you feel shitty. It's that thing where you, you know you want to tiptoe around it. You don't want to just cut straight to the chase because yeah. you know it's gonna be. You know, it's what? not going to go over well. So, yeah, as you alluded to, uh, Dan, obviously, Treaty did really well. Uh, you, you know, got signed, things like that. Like, what would you say were some of the, the highlights for you personally? Treaty of Paris highlights were, you know, that first Metro headliner. You know, that's kind of a rite of passage for most Chicago bands. Yeah. Um, and then we, I wanted to add to Scott's uh, MySpace uh, observations that we found success mostly through Phil figuring out how to kind of game the MySpace system in the sense that he realized that once you could start choosing your own top eight, that bands were putting, they were putting like their friends' bands and also if there was just like a random person in a band's top eight, Phil figured, well, chances are it's probably like an industry person. Maybe it's their manager, maybe it's their agent, who knows? And yeah. So he just started choosing bands that were kind of in Treaty Paris's wheelhouse in our genre and just emailing every person, not email, uh, private messaging, every single person in Brilliant. these band's top eights with, you know, hi, my name's Phil, and just like a, like a cold call. Yeah. I'm, in the, I'm in this band Treaty Paris, we're looking to, you know, we're just looking to make some stuff happen, here's a link to our stuff, and just let me know what you think. Well, this one guy from uh, Jack's Mannequin's top eight, this guy, Casper, um, wrote Phil back and said, I love your stuff. It just so happens that Andrew McMahon from Jack's Mannequin is starting his own record label. And this is the exactly this is exactly the kind of stuff that we're looking for. And so a dialogue. Right place, right time, right, right people, man. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, we got signed to the small indie label based out of L.A. Andrew McMahon executive produced our album along with Jim Wirt, who also produced uh, an Incubus record. Which, yeah, that band that we opened up for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We we asked him about it every single day in the studio. Like, tell us another Incubus story. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and then from there, you know, we we got lots of big opportunities. We toured around the country several times over. Um, and then, you know, similar to our old bands, it just we we kind of lost our momentum. You know, and like many bands, you know, we kind of had our run, and then, you know, we started seeing diminishing returns, and you know, we'd go out and do a tour on our own, and you know, playing little like teen center kind of venues and not many people and we just weren't able to, to sustain it financially anyone listening right now that uh is not tuning in because you guys went on social media and told them to or because i did uh they're probably like who the fuck are these guys why should i care so this is what we're going to do now is we're going to give them a reason to care what uh what you guys sound like and why they should go see you live so first up uh scott we're going to play a seraphine song uh fear of failure uh tell me what this is about uh your life story probably mm. and <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, like, you guys, obviously, you're re-recording a couple songs. Uh, mm -hmm. You're re-releasing, so also, you know, be sure to mention that. Yeah, so we're, our album, Random Life, which is, like, our one record that came out 15 years ago, it, debatably or arguably, depending on your perspective, it sounds pretty much like shit. Like, it's just not a very good record. Um, there's some decent songs on there, but it's just not very good. You're the most self-deprecating wow. man I know. Way to sell it. <laughs> hey? Well, I'm getting to the selling part. So what we decided to do is we went into the studio. Um, we went into uh, the Echo Mill um, to record uh, two of the better songs off the album to re-record them. And, and nowadays, 
15 years later, like I'm a fairly accomplished producer mixer now. So I'm doing all of the production on it and it sounds infinitely better than, than the original release uh, does. And we're also kind of remixing and remastering all the rest of the songs on the record. And we're just going to re put it back online. It's already online, but we're going to re-release that. And, you know, this song in particular, it's one of my favorites because it, it was kind of like the, the chasing, you know, the rabbit down the rabbit hole song that I can never quite get right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I got it right this time. Like singing wise, I think I actually got it correct. It, you know, from a topical perspective, it's just a song about a, a person who, you know, was in a relationship and got married to somebody else. He ended up splitting out of that marriage and then getting back with his ex-girlfriend who uh, ended up being his wife, who's still with now. Um, that That's pretty much the reason why we're, we're re-releasing it. And it's going to be it's going to be fun. So we're excited. I'm excited that you can play it. All right. Let's check it out. This is Seraphine with Fear of Failure. You're listening to the After Work Drinks podcast. Stay tuned.
right, good stuff. So uh, giving you an idea of what Seraphine sounds like. And uh, we're actually going to have some more a little bit later on. But now we gotta we got to flip it over here to Dan. And uh, we got to see what Treaty of Paris sounds like for anybody who has never listened to you guys before. Uh, and we've selected the song Waking Up the Dead, which uh, according to Scott over here next to you, he, he thinks that was like your most popular song. Would you agree? Up there at least? Yeah, we, that was our, our single from our album Sweet Dream Suckers that we that we pushed and we you know, we shot a music video for it and um, you know it got a little bit of, of radio play in a couple markets. I think it also got played at like some random uh, baseball games too. Like people <laughs> people would send us like cell phone video of it playing at like like Cleveland games or something. So like if you know. if you didn't make that connection, like if you didn't like know a guy with the team or the field or whatever, like it, it's baffling. Like how how is our song playing at this arena yeah. or at this this ball field? But uh, apparently it, it was good enough to do that. And uh, we will let you be the judge. I, I for one agree. Check it out. This is Waking Up the Dead.
Instagram is weak as fuck. Instagram is weak as fuck. Cheese. Want to see what the guys are drinking, where they're drinking it, and who they're drinking it with? Visit them at Instagram.com slash AWD podcast. That's right. Let us know what you're drinking and tell us which breweries, wineries, and distilleries you think we should visit next. Follow us today at AWD Podcast. Brian, who we only call him Brian once, and that was the once. You know him from here on out as Pico. Pico, how are you doing? Welcome to the show. Hey, hey, how's it going? Uh, I'm doing great. So uh, Glad to be here. I, I'm excited you're here, and I want to do some gambling while you're here, because you may also remember him as the guy that likes to yell, baby. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm not going to bust anybody's eardrums today. Especially the more that we sip. So I don't know. I'm going to set the over-under on five. <clears throat> so what, what do you feel if you're betting on yourself? Are you going to be over or on? Well, let's, you know, I don't want to tie. I don't want to push. So we'll set the over-under at four and a half. Mm. So if you think you're going to do four it four or less, go okay. under. If you think you're going to go five or more, you take uh, the over. I think I'm going to go under. I think uh, I'm going to go under. All right. He's going under. We'll see what happens. But uh, I know where my money lies. I think, <laughs> I, I mean, we're it's a conservative show. There's only three beers today. So I think last time you were on, we reviewed 12. 12. So yeah, yes. I, I have confidence that you could go the under on the babies too. But, yes, sir. Uh, yes, sir. I was actually about to do it right now. <laughs> you save them. Make them, make them more meaningful. Make them, make them mm, wait for yes, it. Yes, sir. We are going to hit our first of three beautiful beautiful beer reviews they sit on the table in front of us and uh as you know when we give the old thumbs up thumbs down uh we call that pints up pints down and that has a theme song too so take it away pints up cheers oh my god it's so good it's amazing or pints down this is terrible did i do something wrong are you mad at me all right, let's get it. Our first one is uh, one that we're both familiar with. We've both had this before. Uh, it is La Pina de Mis Ojos. Uh, obviously, if you know basic Spanish from high school, that is the pineapple of my eye. Uh, a riff off the saying, you are the apple of my eye. So the pineapple of my eyes. And uh, this guy is a sour ale brewed with pineapple. Duh. Uh, five Rabbit Cerviceria, which I, I think we both frequent from time to time. And uh, it is 7% alcohol by volume. And on the can here, it says it is a play on words, as I said, meaning the pineapple of my eye. This refreshing kettle sour combines American ingenuity with tropical romanticism. Its tangy, funky flavors are reminiscent of, now I'm going to be white here, so I don't know, tell me if I pronounce this right, tapache? Close enough. All right, close enough. An artisanal wild fermented beverage usually sold by street vendors. Uh, I, I got this for the first time last year in 2018 and uh, went to the brewery. They, you know, did a, a thing where they, you know, released this and they had some other stuff on tap too. And it was really cool because they had uh, tamarindo. Tamarindo. There you go. Very fun. There you go. Gotta, gotta put some more go, oomph in buddy. it, you know, right? Um, and I wanted to replicate that for this review. Uh, that time I, I took a sip and I loved it without, but they had the sticks and you put it in and I feel like it gave a little, uh, 
little extra pizzazz to the taste, and and it was just a great pairing. Smart move on their part. Pizzazz, uh, I like that word. I, I recommend it to. Go, I recommend you to drink it that way. So what we're gonna do is uh, we got our taster glasses here, and I'm gonna pour us, and we'll you know taste it without, and then we'll give a little swish. Uh, I got these little plastic spoonfuls of the stuff I found at the grocery store. We'll add that and uh, see if that maybe sways us uh you know does it make a big difference do we like it more like it less is it the same uh i personally when i had it last year loved it both without and even more with and then this year uh instead of on draft i I bought it at my local liquor store in cans which is what we have here and i'm gonna crack it right now that's such a sexy sound isn't it 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 means fun's about to happen while i'm pouring here we'll, we'll dive into our first topic uh, I want to talk about holiday beers as I top you off right there. Um, there's a lot of different holiday beers out there. And like, what exactly makes a holiday beer? It's not exactly one specific thing. There are certain beers that traditionally come out around the holidays. Um, one of them being Bourbon County Stout, which actually uh, we're going to talk about in point number two a little bit later in the show. So, you know, hold that off to the side, but uh, I have some bottles of that, and I don't plan to touch them till Christmas and New Year's, because it's going to be my celebration, but uh, we'll get away from that. Um, some are by release date, you know, done like November, December um, for the holidays. Some are by name. Um, you have, for instance, Fistmas from Revolution. Uh, that's a big one. Good old Santa and like the barrel on the front. That's good stuff. And then uh, you have stuff like Three Floyd's Alpha Claws. Um, you know, you got the Alpha King, but you got the Alpha Claws. Uh, that's a little, you know, spoof on one of their regular uh, beers that they already do. I do like to over-enunciate that beer, too, when I have it. Alpha Claws. Can't just call them Claws. Gotta get, give me a ship of the Alpha Claws. But uh, so there's ones like that, you know, and you, you've got like can art and in the name going for, you know, a holiday theme. You also have a lot of microbreweries now that are, are doing stuff where it's, you know, like a little one off release. I don't know exactly how many cans or cases or how big the distro is or if you could only get them, you know, at the brewery itself. But just this year alone, I've seen like a lot of stuff. Uh, the whole like Thanksgiving into Christmas seems to be a lot of cranberry I'm seeing in beers. Uh, I, don't, I mean, I don't know how you feel about cranberries. I love cranberries. I like cranberries. I don't know how you feel about it on beer, though. Yeah, I like cranberries. I like cranberry juice. I haven't tried any of these cranberry beers this year yet. Maybe I still have a chance to. I don't know. Um, You've got, you know, cinnamon, and and, um, there's beers that have mint and and peppermint. Um, Some I've had that are really good. Others kind of like, eh. I feel like mint's a thing where, like, I I would never say it doesn't belong in beer. There's a a lot of great things that surprised me the first time I had them in, in beer. Um, I'll say like mint slash peppermint is a thing that has to be done right in the right ratios. Uh, and, and preferably I only want mint in a stout. I don't see how that would work in any other things. Uh, it's definitely, I think a dark beer kind of ingredient. Sounds, sounds very interesting. But, um, I guess while, while we take a, a sniff of, of this, uh, this pineapple goodness here, Definitely has like uh, the the sour like funk and uh, yeah. and and that like citrusy pineapple mm-hmm. scent. Um, I'm going for a sip in a minute, but tell me as far as like holiday beers, are, are you big into them? Do you kind of like would you go to like your 
your local craft beer bars or breweries or, or grocer liquor store do you do you look for those like oh hey you know what like i came in here thinking i might just get whatever but hey i didn't expect to find this it's a holiday beer yeah there's a uh, there's a bar i go to that the last four years i believe they've been doing a uh, a bourbon county event where they bring them all out and hourly they bring out a different a different uh flavor Okay. And I do I do love Bergen County. So is that you know that obviously comes out on Black Friday every year and that's that's a holiday tradition. Yes, so right after Thanksgiving rolls right through, you know, into Christmas and New Year and uh lots of events like you just mentioned and then uh people holding on to them whether it's for a special occasion, whether it's for months or years trying to age it, cellar it. Um so that's an exciting time. So you'd say that's one of your go-tos? Yeah, I love I love Bergen County. It's Cool. To me, it's delicious. I love. Well, that's going to be our, our talking point number two. So we won't have yeah, you. We'll, we won't we'll, have we'll, you dive we'll deeper into that explanation right now. We'll do that uh, later on in point number two uh, when we talk some more later. Yeah. Do you do you like seek out the ones that are like trying to do holiday designs and colored cans or you know holiday like recipes and stuff like that or the only other one I so tried was uh, Fistmas and I was not a fan of that at all. I didn't like the taste, didn't like anything about it. I'm not opposed to Fismas. Fismas is all right. It's been a while for me and Fismas. But um, you're taking a sip of that Five Rabbit. I don't know when the last time is that you had it, but how, how are you feeling about this? So good. Right? I, I, I've i said it on multiple occasions. I, I do like sour beers. Um, they have to be done right, though. Sometimes they're a little too puckery. They make my cheeks yeah. like, woof. Um, I'm actually not a fan of sour beers at all, but this, but this yeah, oh, so good. So this kettle sour is just really, really good. I feel like it's the right balance of giving me like just enough um, sour, but not to where it's like you're sucking on like a warhead candy or something mm-hmm. where it's like a challenge. Like I, I don't like it when a sour is a physical challenge. I don't want it to be that sour. I want it to be sour enough that it's like, ooh, yeah, I feel that. That's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but not over the top to where it's not unenjoyable. And I feel like Five Rabbit here uh, has a really good balance with what they did here. Uh, before we go in again, let's throw in our little spoonful of tamarindo. Let's uh, let that soak and, and stir Marinate. up in there. And uh, we'll we'll jump back into the holiday get a little, biz. Get it's a already bubbly. It's a little bit of the bubbly. Uh, it's frothing up the head over here. I like that. It's almost like a little pop rock soda mm-hmm. action. It's getting a little frothy, creamy fizziness to the head. So that's already good. Um, yeah, you know, with holiday beers, I'm not I'm not opposed to any of them, uh, and I don't want to talk crap about them, but I do feel like to a certain degree it, it is a marketing ploy. Um, yeah. You know, you have like holiday IPAs, like I want to say like Goose Island has just like a red can, and it looks sleek and is a cool like graphic and everything, but really I think a lot of people use like a name or like a, a can art, like a color, a, a, a theme to be like, oh yeah, our holiday beer, but... In a sense, it's just a normal IPA or a normal Pilsner or a normal whatever with, you know, a name or the red and green coloring to make, the make it a holiday thing, which is fine. You know, there's nothing inherently like holiday ingredients about your Bourbon County stout, but comes out every holiday. So in, there's always a different sense, like what makes it? Is it the release date? Is it the ingredients? Is it the can art? Is it the name? It's all of those things. And some beers are all of those wrapped into one. And sometimes it's one or the other. I don't typically gun for anything. I did pick up some Bourbon County. Uh, I'll say that's a holiday beer in release date only, pretty Mm -hmm. much. So overall, I'm not mad at holiday beers. Everybody seems to want to put out at least one. And I think that's probably good marketing. Attract some eyes to your product in the holiday. 
Yeah, I'm not a fan of the uh, the whole holiday beer, but if it's there and if it catches my eye, I might might pick it up. I take a little taste, a little swig. Yeah, brewery or something. I think I'm kind of the same way. Like I'll probably give a brewery that I like in general uh, first dibs on my money if there's a holiday thing that sounds intriguing. Um, you know, as far as like crazy like ingredients like hey cranberry or clove or uh figgy pudding or whatever the hell is freaking you know says christmas to you uh overall i think we're on the same page i will drink a holiday beer if it's a normal beer with just a special can or a special name then for sure like yeah i'll drink it if i come across holiday stuff i'll you know i'll i'll give it a holler i'll say hey what up girl let me get a taste and uh you know but it's not much more than that so i I would say good marketing i don't blame a business as a business is that's what you're supposed to be doing you're not doing anything wrong by doing that but i I just say for me uh it doesn't really turn the trick i don't i don't go crazy trying to try all the holiday beers and i think i'd much rather just try things that are associated with the time of year more so than like holiday like you know you see stout season i see a lot of like desserty stuff uh s'more beers i I like s'mores in real life so i definitely like s'more beers uh and we got a desserty beer coming up later too uh on the show which uh, i won't spoil what that is but definitely uh, a little sweet tooth beer looking forward to that one myself so i think we've got enough time for uh this tamarindo to get in here so let's take let's take one last sip here and then we can we'll give our 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 pints up pints down we could give like what we would say on untapped rating as well and if that score bumps up at all with the tamarindo Tamarindo on the next Spanish soap opera. Tamarindo. Oh, yeah. Definitely, definitely could feel that. It gives oh, it a nice little accent. Wow, baby. There we go. There's the first one. He's on oh, his way. That was good. That's really good. So, this is one of the most perfect kettle sours that I've had in my time. And I will say, without the Tamarindo, 4.75 out of 5 on Untapped. Obviously, that translates to a pints up for our purposes. But uh, adding that tamarindo, I'll give it an extra quarter point. I'll give it a perfect five because I, I think it just has a a nice little sweet accent to go with the sour. And it just complements it beautifully. And I, I'm a big fan. So I'll say four, seven, five uh, plain. Uh, I'll say add some tamarindo and I'll give you the perfect five, man. Hats off. Wow. Five rabbit. La Pina de mis ojos. What, how do you feel? So without the tamarindo, I give it a three. With it, oh. yeah, with it, I give it a 4.5. Damn, it jumps so a it whole goes, point yeah. and a half for you. All right. Yeah. It does, it really does kind of balance. Like, if you're, like you said, you're not typically a sour guy. You mm-hmm. like this one. I love it. You like it. So for me, this is just like bonus. This is just like the yeah. frosting, you know, on 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 top. And I'm a, I'm but a for you, it, it's shifting the whole beer. I think for you not being a sour guy, it takes a little bit of that sour mm-hmm. edge off, adds the sweet. Uh, it's kind of like you know the whole sweet and savory, uh, salt on chocolate kind of thing, like, or salted yeah. caramel too. Like that whole you know balance, the the yin and the yang, and and it helps I think even things out. So if you love sours. I recommend this beer highly. If you don't, Pico recommends that you just yeah. throw in some of that tamarindo, and then he recommends it highly. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm a big Five Rabbit guy. I'm there once a month, and I love most of their beers. Also, shout out to the taco guy, Thursday nights yes, and sir. special events. Ah, yes. bro. What's the fancy word for taco guy? Taquero? Yeah, there you go. Yo, yo taquero Taco Bell? No. <laughs> 
I, I kid, I kid. I knew that answer. I just, I don't like, uh, I don't like pronouncing those words because I always feel, we've talked about this before when I've had you on the show. I, I feel like uh, it's a weird slippery slope. Like if you just go all white guy like, uh, blah, 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 and you don't try to pronounce stuff, you sound like you're an ignorant asshole that doesn't care yeah. about that culture. And then if you do over enunciate, I feel like it could come off like you're just like showboating or also in a way making fun. So I feel like a white guy trying to really pronounce his shit that he learned in high school and college. Like, I just feel like I can't win. I feel like it's lose lose. So you're here. You're Spanish. You're, as a Hispanic dude, I'm just going to make you pronounce the hard words. Sounds good. But uh, that's going to do it for. We're done with the hard words for an eye. <laughs> That's going to do it for segment one. Uh, holiday beers were kind of like hit or miss passive about. Yeah. But uh, this this kettle sour, uh, I think we're, we're both big fans of. So uh, we'll check that off the list. And we are going to shoot things over to another point in time. And I'm going to be there with Mr. Dan Wade and Scott Sweeney of the band's Treaty of Paris and Seraphine. Yes, indeed. Back to the musicians we go, and every band that's worth their salt has a few crazy stories. So right now, we're going to jump back into story time with Scott Sweeney as he tells us about the time his band Seraphine and another local band kinda sorta maybe started or was somewhat involved in a music venue barroom brawl. <laughs> We had won this hard rock battle of the bands, which was also another funny story because we like cheated the whole fucking stuff. Stuffed way. the ballot box. Stuffed the ballot box, man. Like younger like, you, man. Oh, dude. Younger like, you I mean, did some things. You know, I think I, I think we won by like three hundred votes out of like four hundred votes, and there were like eighty people yeah, in the room. You had you had deceased people voting for you. Phil's ex girlfriend at the time, sister, I believe, <laughs> worked at the Hard Rock Cafe and gave us like two hundred ballots that we stuffed. So like it was really cheated. And then when we got to the actual competition itself, um, we packed the place and we lucked out because we had, um, it was July 26, 2001. We were playing at the Hard Rock Cafe with a metal band called Waste. And they were the other competition in this in this battle. And Lucky Boy's Confusion had sold out the House of Blues just down the street. And Sonia was their webmaster at the time. Our, my good friend Sonia was running their website and I convinced her to convince Stuby to give our show a plug. And we got like 200 people from down the street because it was a free show at the Hard Rock just to come down and check out our band. So we actually wound up winning because we had the most people there. Nice. And that was crazy too because then we, we were playing on Q101 for the first time. They had like a judge's vote and and, and the judges voted, uh, counted for one third and then the Hard Rock Cafe's vote counted for one third and then the crowd vote counted for one third. And the judges were like Chris Payne and somebody else and they voted for waste probably it, because it, he got bribed. This shit is like wild. Yeah. So, so basically like uh, the Chicago music scene booming when I was in college. Lots of great local bands and there's all this fun shit going yeah. on that oh, I didn't yeah. know about. Oh, there was stuffing a, ballot boxes, dude, flipping hundreds at DJs. It, but with that being said, there was a riot at the fucking Hard Rock. Like there was a big ass fight because they they the that band Waste didn't want to concede the fact that they had lost to this pussy ass band with a violin. Like they just didn't want to. <laughs> so 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 there was a there was an actual fight, and I remember the drummer 
was like trying to come at Phil and Phil and, and anybody that knows Phil knows once his temper's lost, dude, he will fight anybody. Our drummer the same way, like he will fight anybody. There was one of our fans. You can, you can make a you can make a metal band look really sissy if you win that fight. Yeah, there was there was a there was a fan of ours that was dancing on the bar and a waste fan like tripped her and she fell and hit her head and got concussed. Ooh. Phil's mom's a nurse and had to like call an ambulance to get like cause she was like fucked up and then so phil was already pissed and ready to rumble and it was there were fist fights in that show they had to clear it out the cops the chicago police came with fucking riot gear like it was intense and me and, and sonia rode with me can home. we can we make this like a a, a web series <laughs> next time on seraphine yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when the, and then the next week we were playing a show at fucking enchanted castle and waste showed up wanting to like fight Wow. And they were like, and they were like, where's all the fucking people now? And Phil's like, dude, like, we don't bring 500 people to every show. Like, we bring like 12. Like, this is just a local show. And then the funny thing is, you are better than a Spanish soap opera. This is fucking great the, drama. by the arcade games. <laughs> right. And then the funny thing is, though, is that Waste, this metal band, um, they they continued to build their career in Chicago. They all got, we all got older. And then Phil, as the talent, Booker them at, at Double, Double Door. Door. No, I mean booked them all the time because they drew a lot of people. They, they played Double Door all the time. They were yeah. a good band, and Phil and, and and Roberto, I believe the singer's name was, yeah. became friends and like because like that was just literally like young twenties bullshit that we, you know, experienced. And then as we all got older, we're like, why the fuck would we do stupid shit like that? So. Anyway, nice. And now, more and now we're, re- we're reuniting these bands to do some right. hopefully not so stupid shit again. and as if fisticuffs with bands that you would later befriend isn't good enough we're gonna take things up a notch and get a little random as i stated at the top of the program most of the content for this show was recorded back in december it truly became the lost episode and while i have edited out some of the references to specific dates and the holiday season in general I could not bring myself to edit out Dan Wade performing a holiday original because, screw it, there's a good chance you're listening to this in July anyway, and Christmas in July is totally a thing. Sort of. For some people. Right? At the very least, we're halfway to the real thing. So let's check it out. This is an official Treaty of Paris recorded holiday song that you did, and you're going to play this live for us, Dan? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna play it, and only reason why I'm gonna do it and not our lead singer Mike, who's not here, is that on the actual recording, uh, it's like the probably the one and only Treaty of Paris song where I do like a, a lead vocal on it. You know, it's one of those songs where like you hear it and you're like, who's that guy? <laughs> well, and also let's be also clear, he wasn't a good singer back then. It took him a while to get into his you know <laughs> his, his sea his legs chops. with 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 singing. It took him a little bit of time. All right, so this is called uh, Anything for Christmas? That's right. All right, take it away whenever you're ready. I don't need anything for Christmas Anything at all Don't need no new TV under a plastic tree Don't need to be lost in the crowds at the shopping mall So let it snow till the schools are closed Let the cold winds freeze Lake Michigan over The Arctic breeze doesn't bother me If I got you, I don't need anything for Christmas 
Secrets to be told under the mistletoe. I'll seal the moment with a simple kiss. So let it snow till the schools are closed. Let the cold winds freeze Lake Michigan over. The Arctic breeze doesn't bother me. If I got you, I'd need anything for Christmas. to get in touch with the show email us at awdpodcast at gmail.com all right we are back from the teleport yet again and uh, i return with my guy pico in casa de pooch and uh we're ready for another beer we're ready for another talking point let's uh Let's crack the beer first, and then we'll, we'll get into the talking. Uh, right now, I have an offering from New Image Brewing, and they are out of Arvada, Colorado. And uh, it's, uh, it's a shame. Uh, I think I've mentioned on um, social media and on, uh, I think, a recent episode of the podcast that Danielle, who is my most frequent co-host, uh, probably won't get to do that as often unless she's visiting because she actually moved to Colorado. Oh, wow. So I got this beer through Tavour, which is like, you know, one of those beer delivery apps. Uh, but maybe she can be like my new Tavour when it comes to Colorado. Maybe I can just do like the beer trades through the mail with her so I don't have to pay the premium on stuff like this. But uh, I'll have to see if she has hit up New Image yet. So uh, New Image Brewing and the beer that we have here is called Petra. And it says it is a milkshake IPA with peach, citra, and lactose. A little tagline on the top. It says, Attack of the Peach. Dun, dun, dun. So uh, this has a nice little story on it, actually. Are you ready for story time? Get the the story of Petra, my friend. It is uh, 5% alcohol by volume. And this is the little ditty that goes with it. A legend foretold of a monster so terrifyingly delicious that whispering its name could haunt beer drinkers. Few had seen it, but those willing to speak described it as, quote-unquote, adorably sweet, but would probably rip your face off. Petra, as he became known, 
has surfaced again in Colorado, bringing a fear and delight to those brave enough to face him. We think it's easier to just drink him. Peach Ra is a dense and sweet IPA made with citra hops and peaches. Honestly, we've met Petra. He's totes adorbs and would probably just lick your face, which could be terrifying to some. Uh, and then in bold print here, it says terrifyingly adorable and drinkable. So, <laughs> uh, I don't know. He looks like a cute little peach head with some leaves coming out of his head and his butt. He looks extremely cute. I was thinking that the whole time looking right? at him. We'll crack this open. We'll take a look. And uh, we'll give a, a little sniff before we get into our talking point here. Oh, okay. Very citrusy. Very strong citrus on the nose. I'm liking the smell a lot, actually. Right? This smells like it could cure my cold. Like emergency packet levels <laughs> of citrus smell on this beer. I, I like it. Can't stop smelling it. It smells so good. I'm gonna go. You know, I'm going for the first sip before we uh, before we talk. That's smooth. Sometimes I think the lactose can be um, overbearing on on these beers, but. I think it actually just like levels it out really nice. It's tart and citrusy, but kind of has a smooth back end because of the lactose. A little hazy, not too not too thick on the haze, but I think in the milkshake sense, the lactose, you know, gives a little bit of a thickness to the mouthfeel. Not too much, but a little bit more than traditionally with an IPA. I'm gonna have to take a couple more sips before I can give this a score. But let's uh, let's talk about what we alluded to in in uh, our first segment earlier on the show. Uh, I want to talk about Bourbon County Stout. As we said, it's like uh, a holiday release. Comes out Black Friday every year. Has a lot of hype. And uh, I just kind of want to talk about like where do you think the state of Bourbon County Stout is right now? Uh, I feel like there's a lot of stuff going on with it. Um, you have people that are kind of like, hey, when you hit a good adjunct that you put in the beer and you found a good variant, don't mess it up. You had a really good coffee one years ago. That should be a staple. Mm -hmm. Don't get crazy and like and cycle through all these new things all the time. Like some should stay because they're just good. They're perfection. But every year they try to come up with new variants, new offshoots, new tweaks. And you know sometimes it's good and sometimes it's not so good. Sometimes and vanilla. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so it's just uh, it's one of those things where it's nice that they're always giving you new options, but. You know, certain stuff from years past, it's like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And then there's just like the thing of the, the demand for it, I guess, because it kind of comes out in waves. You know, Black Friday is the release and you have certain events uh, at different places and some of them impose different limits than others. And some give freebies to the first however many people in line. Uh, but there's people that come, you know, they camp out overnight or they come at like two or three in the morning and then. There's people like little old me who I, I said earlier, and I'll repeat now, like I accidentally, not specifically looking for Bourbon County, bought original recipe 2012. There was like two or three packs of it on the uh, on the shelf. And I was just like, oh, man. And those were like the smaller bottles. I was like back in the day when it was like actual bo uh, like bottles in a, oh, wow. a pack, like I think like a four pack. Whereas now you pay by the individual bottle, mm -hmm. bigger bottle, though you know, more, more liquid in there, more ounces. Um, but that was an accident. And I mean, I've been content over the years since then to just find it on a shelf down the road or have it on tap somewhere. And, and I was fine with that. Um, but 
there's always those hardcore people that there's still like a fervor. You got to have it on day one. Well, this year I kind of got caught up in like seeing a lot of advanced tastings and having people, you know, give their recommendation and say what they liked. And I was all like, oh, okay. And it kind of like roped me in like, oh, you know, I want to try some of these. But I had to work on Black Friday. So I couldn't go looking until the afternoon. And I realized it was pretty easy to get the variants I want at local places right mm-hmm. here in my neighborhood. Uh, girlfriend also hooked it up on a couple of variants uh, at a better price at Benny's. So it was just like, I got what I wanted. I don't go as nuts as, nuts as some guys that spend hundreds or God, thousands. Like, you know, I didn't do that, but I got at least one of the ones I wanted to try. So I guess, I guess my general question is like, obviously you've already stated that you're a big fan, but like, as far as like the hoopla and the pomp and circumstance, like, do you think now that Goose Island has been bought out um, and it's more mainstream and it's like looking like more and more like this is a thing that's going to be produced throughout the year, um, mass produced, it's going to be like a little bit less of that like majestic, like, oh, I got some feel because it's like mm-hmm. if you're patient, you're going to get some you don't have to be that guy that camps out so like i feel like that takes away a little of the lure and the majesty and like the urgency uh which doesn't necessarily mean anything as far as the beer it doesn't make it a bad beer or anything like but you know you have your people that are just like oh yeah like it's no big deal anymore like it'll be on the shelf um you know they're gonna make sure that they release it in spurts throughout the year and and it's just always gonna kind of go from being like that special release to kind of like hey it's gonna drop throughout the year that seems to be where it's trending so i mean like how do you feel do you does it still like have a special feeling in your heart like you love the taste but do you feel like there is like that specialness that sense of urgency around it are you are you feel like you could take it a little bit more for granted now that it's always going to show up at your local watering hole on tap and stuff so I would never wait in line for that beer. In, right? Any beer in general. Any beer, right? No, no, not at I n- all. I never have. I, I've never... I've gone to release events yeah. at like a brewery where they're like, oh, today we're tapping and selling bottles yeah. or cans of, of this. But it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, like you could get there any time today. We have yeah, plenty. It's our exactly. beer. Uh, I've never stood in line for anything where it's like, oh, man, it's going to be sold out right away in the first mm-hmm. hour. Better get here. Like, I don't do that. Yeah, I, think I, I don't got time for that. A few years ago, I went to a, a grocery store and uh, I found like they had a few of them. They had maybe like 10, 12 left. And it was at the end of the year. It was New Year already. It was a New Year's Eve, actually. And I was like, you know what? Let me pick these up. I bought three of them and it's like surprised that they had them. Have you uh, have you had any of the 2019 uh, stuff yet? Uh, no, actually, I was planning on going last week to the place that does the uh, yearly event. Yeah. But I didn't have a chance to. Nice. Yeah, I definitely. Perks of having a kid. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. You have a kid keeping you busy. I just have like a holiday, like family, girlfriend, work obligations. And I kind of like I was that guy on Facebook putting like interested in those type of events. And then they came around and I couldn't make it. So I did the same thing. But yeah, uh, I I would say I I have I have the stuff that I wanted to try. It's uh, right in the other room there. And uh, I'm not going to open any, I think, until Christmas Eve will be the first day. It's a good day um, But uh, I think one of the ones that I'm most excited about this year is uh, Mon Cherry, because I do like cherries. Um, but there's, like, a lot of stuff going on online with, like, that one and, like, pretty much all of them, to be honest. Like, people are saying that, like, the original recipe, just your 2019 base beer, is really good. 
Uh, but then you have people arguing online saying like, oh, Moan Cherry is great. It's so good. And other people saying like, it tastes like cough syrup. And then you got That's people. That's what I was thinking. Ta- it like. Then you got people talking crap about like the barley wine. You got people. Um, saying that the the prop 2019 proprietors that that's not good, and then others saying it's great, and it's like it's tempting for me to bust these open sooner than I, I was going to because I want to see like beer is subjective, so I mean everybody has their own opinion and 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 nobody's wrong, but a lot of people are commenting online now um, saying there's just so much variance in what people think about a lot of these. Um, people are starting to come to the conclusion that. There is not necessarily a consistent product in every bottle, that there is bottle variance. And it's not just you and me and the next guy's personal preferences and taste at hand here. It's like, no, literally, some bottles have something that is skewed where, like, luck of the draw, this bottle tasted like this, this bottle tastes like that. Um, that's unfortunate if that's the case. Uh, especially for what you're paying for these bottles when you're paying like 20 something dollars sometimes for for yeah. a bottle of one of these variants yeah, it's, it, it's just kind of like uh you want what's inside to be consistent you want it to taste the same and i think the conclusion people are coming to is that 2019 there is a wild uh variation of the product being bottled and people's opinion it's a little bit more than just being subjective to your own personal taste it's like yeah, this product, whatever the cause, uh, I mean, I, I don't brew beer, so I'm not going to pretend to be an expert, but you know, I, I figure there's a few different variables at play that could cause this, but there's just some variation, some wild variation, it would seem, uh, to what you're getting in your bottle and what little Johnny's getting in his bottle down the road, and that's, yeah, had, that's unfortunate. I've had a really bad bourbon county one time. It was just, I threw out the bottle. I yeah. took a sip, and I was like, yep, nope, this is not, this is not what I normally taste. So final verdict, I guess. You're still a fan of the beer in general, obviously. Where do you think its place is? It is like considered the the OG of the big release in demand. You want this stout. So do you still feel like it's the number one barrel-aged beer, that it's worth all the hype? Uh, or do you think that it's fallen back into the pack and maybe like something like Revolution in their Deepwood series is in a lot of people's minds, if not completely, kind of like a side by side, this variant versus this variant matchup might be starting to creep up and be mm. in the same realm, maybe in, in some iterations of the product and some adjuncts actually surpasses uh, what they're doing with with Goose Island and Bourbon County. Like where do you feel? Are they still top dog? It's it's a little difficult right now because, like you said, they have so many different variants of it now. And I'm into the original. Yeah. So I do like the barley as well. But I mean, so basically you've got like you got like Death's Tar, Death, the Revolution. I, I, yo, that one is... Yeah, that has it's a very kick. very good. Yeah. That has a kick. I love and it. And then, uh, you know, you have Cafe Death, or Cafe, uh, and I'm a coffee whore, so, you know, there's mm. that. Um, you know, you've had like vanilla death, uh, and, and all, you know, all down the line and year to year, sometimes you have like a direct, like, Hey, this is our coffee one. This is our coffee mm-hmm. one. Like you have uh, cafe de o- uh, Ola. Oh yeah. I, I don't even want to try to pronounce it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, sometimes there's a, a, a beer on each side that directly correlates. Sometimes it's like, oh, well, they have this flavor and they have this, and that's not really mm-hmm. apples and oranges. You can't compare. But 
in the areas where there is a direct comparison, like, hey, their version of this versus their version of this, or the closest, you know, facsimile, it seems like it. there's a lot of people now that are coming up on Revolution and, and saying that that's a little bit of a superior product, or at least on even footing now. Um, I have to say I like them both. And... I don't want to get. I don't. I haven't tried all of this years yet. Like I said, I'm sitting on it, so I don't want to get into that on this episode. Uh, but I do. I do want to say that from variant to variant, from adjunct to adjunct, that I would probably have to say it's a case by case basis for me, and it might be that for most people. Um, you know, original recipe for both of them. You know, original Bourbon County versus Death Star, and then you could go off on your your coffee and and your your vanilla and your, you know, your two year and, and all these different things, uh, your barley wine, you know, it's just, there's a lot of variables at play. And I, so, I don't think I can across the board say that I like one completely yeah. better than the other, especially not having tasted all of this year's product. Cause I'm sitting on mine, but eventually I will, as we go into 2020. And I, I will just say this, I think that between the buyout and the more mass production and all that, just by default, like what did you expect? I, I think Bourbon County loses a little bit of its luster there, as far as being like this this golden goose. <laughs> Forgive the horrible pun. Um, you know, like it's it's not the double rainbow. It's not the the unicorn. It's still very good, but I, I think it lost like a little bit of its sense of urgency and specialness. And I think that uh, while it is nice to not have to like go nuts and camp out and like sell your left pinky toe and stuff to get, you know, beer. It's, it's nice for it to be more readily available. Um, sometimes there's other caveats to when these things happen. And I, I think there's both good and bad to like where goose Island's been at since the buyout. But overall, I think it's still a great product. It, it always will be the yeah. OG, even if people start to, you know, lean toward revolution or other breweries versions of stuff. Um, I still like it, but I I do I'd be a liar if I said I, uh, it's not like mm-hmm. lost a little bit of its luster, a little bit so of its steam over the years. I do like the Death Star from Revolution, but I would still go Bourbon County. Okay. Oh yeah. At least it's with the still, at least with the the original the, for, the base. Yeah, oh yeah, the, the, the original the original. Yeah. But for now, for now, for I now. would go with the Goose Island Bourbon County. Twenty twenty is another year, so you know. Yes, uh, next next year on Black Friday, we can compare them all again. But yes, uh. Sir. Let's do a little cheers here. And uh, I've been sipping on this peach right here from New Image. And I, I want a final verdict out of you. What do you What do you think of this? Is it a pints up or a pints down? Pints up. I would give it a four. I'm going to give it a four as well. Yeah. You you hit the number yeah. exactly the same as me. Um, I feel like it has just like a little bit up front, just a little bit of that like IPA bite, just a little. Mm-hmm. But the lactose makes it very smooth. And I definitely get that that peach flavor just enough. It's not too tart. It's just right. Does taste like legit creamy peaches. I thought it was gonna hit you with the with the peach. I thought it was yeah. like whoa. I just feel like it's it a very a, no. It was really good. I feel it's a very well balanced beer. Uh, yes. Just the right amount of peach. Just the right amount of like a little bit of like bite, like you would get in a standard IPA. And then it's not like completely waved over your mm. your palate with lactose it's just enough like you taste the lactose it helps kind of like smooth it out make everything even keel but without overdoing it i've had some milkshake ipas where it's like holy shit that's a lot of lactose i don't get that here i think it's perfectly balanced uh pints up i give it a four this dude a is well. a little bit cute not so much scary 
And uh, cheers to New Image Brewing on Good a love. job well done. Uh, we're going to teleport back on over to myself because I'm the only guy in the business throwing it from himself on one day in time to another location on another day in time. But that's what we do here on the podcast. So let's let's do it together. Let's do it, Wayne's World. No, you don't want to do it? Okay, well, they... Hey, all, right, all, right, all right, let's do it. Let's hey, do, let's they, do. they did it with me, let's so it, you can do it. do it with me. All right. And we teleport on off into another studio for some more musical goodness with Dan Wade, Scott Sweeney, here on the After Work Drinks podcast. But uh, I want to take a quick minute to talk about what you guys do individually. Uh, I know it might not be regularly like it's it's not your your main thing that you do now but it's like your little superhero thing you know you probably got your your day job that you do and then you go be a rock star at night so uh let's let dan start and uh how often do you play out solo now uh aside from obviously this treaty of paris reunion uh well i so i I have several eps out under my own name uh daniel wade um which i don't know why i decided to call myself by my full birth name (laughs) should have called it dan wade yeah that's what everyone calls me but a story for another day. Um, You're a more mature artist, I, Daniel. I think I think that's what I was trying to uh, evoke when I put it out, but that was, you know, live and learn, I guess. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I put out music as myself, and then I also play in a band called Ryan Powers and the Secret Weapons, featuring Chris, the drummer from Treaty of Paris. And I work for a music festival. I work, I'm the art director for Riot Fest. Nice. It's, it's It would probably be a little underselling Dan's solo career to say he kind of has just done it. Because, I mean, you've done, in your own right, I mean, you've put out four EPs, handful of holiday singles. You've played Summerfest, Ribfest. You've opened up for National Acts. You yeah. probably, I mean, you probably consistently play dozens of shows a year. I mean, I just saw you a couple weeks ago down at the brewery. That's true. So, yeah. yeah I, I guess I undersell it a little bit. As we get older, the opportunities to do fun stuff like this are less and less. And uh, I also just watched uh, The Irishman last night. So I think that, you know, we're all destined to just die in a prison hospital and <laughs> life, is, life is pointless. <laughs> Excellent. That's funny. No, but uh, that rings true. Uh, this podcast probably came out of uh, a necessity for me to be like, hmm, what's a way that I can like get the creative juices flowing again, like pick uh, like a hobby or an interest to bring in like old friends. Cause it's so like you just said, you, you have another band and it's like, well, Hey, there's a member of treaty in that band too. Yeah. And like, you could always go back to those people from back in the day and, and, you know, give them a call and say like, Hey, you want to do this? And it, it just, uh, it just feels right. It, it just seems easy to go back to, you know, the old, the old stomping grounds, the old things you used to do. And I realized that I had hit a patch in my life where like a lot of years went by and I was like, Hey, I'm not doing anything to like, you know fan the flames of my creative you know ideas and stuff so i don't care if five people listen to the podcast or five thousand listen to the podcast i'm having fun doing it it gives me an excuse to hang out with friends and do cool stuff help them promote what they're doing and uh you know just overall hopefully provide like a form of entertainment and you know even just like a handful of people subscribe and, and are into it um that that's good enough for me so because everything i think in life is just like moments so there's moments you remember and obviously i think you guys uh both would say that with these bands you you had some of the like the most fun and amazing experiences in your life so why wouldn't you want to both relive them and also create some new ones while you can man but that's the creative arts in general right like that's kind of the nature of it like it is interesting because you know we all know those creative people like if i tell a friend like yeah my friend dan he's uh he he's the art director for riot festival like 
oh, is that a paying job that he does? Like, yeah, that's a real job, guys. It's like, is the, <laughs> is the second question, can you get me tickets? <laughs> Always the second question. <laughs> Actually, that's all. Like, if I say, like, I know, I'm like, if I ever mention that Dan works at Riot Fest, like, somebody at work, like, hey, man, I, uh, I, I was wondering, you know, I heard you uh, talking about your friend that works at Riot Fest. Uh, you know, I, I I might make six figures and all, but uh, what do you think I can uh, get guest list for that show? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Can I? Uh, can Can you talk to him? Guys, I, I mentioned earlier, I can't let you get away without participating in, in the actual main theme of this podcast, which is alcoholic drinks. Uh, primarily the craft beer scene. Uh, we do dabble in some spirits and some wine when we can. Uh, what what, are, what is your your poison, guys? Uh, do you do you drink uh, socially, or are, are you a hobbyist? Do you, do you have a whiskey collection? Do you what, who who's who's dabbling in what here? I've been drinking a lot of Topo Chico lately <laughs> but it's good that you bring that up because uh cobra lounge is attached to a brewery uh, it is you know, all rise all rise and uh, i was actually just there recently and i had a couple tasty beverages there and uh i i don't drink a lot of beer lately but when i am at cobra i drink a lot of beer um and some of the stuff they have over there right now is really good Three Orange Wit. That was really good. Such a good that. beer. Was All Rise where you had your engagement party? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we had our, Lindsay and I had our engagement party there, and there uh, they had Three Orange Wit on draft, which is a pretty heavy hitter. Like doesn't that, taste like it. That's but. the heavy hitter that sent me uh, waiting to drive home for like three hours. I'm pretty <laughs> yeah. sure. That that is a telling stories about that time you kicked waste ass. <laughs> that's a that's a potent <laughs> beer. <laughs> Scott, yeah, I know you're a drinker. You said not so much with the craft beer, but uh, yeah. what 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 do we usually find you uh, late at night when you're writing hit songs? Well, since that's never happened, I've never <laughs> written a hit song. My last song was literally called No Hit Wonder. Uh, you won't find me drinking writing hits because I haven't written one. All right. But... Well, what, are you, what do you drink when you're writing shits? <laughs> there we go. Um, Diet Dr. Pepper. Diet, yeah, Diet Dr. Pepper. No, I think, uh, you know, it's it's weird. I'm 41, so I didn't come of age in, in beer, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, I didn't have my first real drink until I was 21 years old. Like, I didn't underage drink. I didn't have any desire to. I, I would watch Bears games, and I didn't care, you know? Yeah. I, and, I think I was kind of the same. I, I actually dodged letting my friends get me plastered on my 21st, uh, but it just backfired. They hit me harder on my 22nd. It was my 22nd right. was like a 21st. It was awful. And I, you know, I, I didn't really start drinking until the band, right? Because that's what you do. That's you what know? you do. Yeah, you, you drink. And this you, lifestyle. You drink and you, you go to Iowa City and you drink and you pretend that your life... Oh, God. Yeah, right. <laughs> you pretend that your life doesn't exist back in Chicago, right? You push your your family and your, your debts and your bills and your girlfriend out of your mind when you're in Iowa City, you know, it's, it's part of the deal. And in those types of college towns, you know, when you're a touring band, there is no fucking IPAs or there's, there's $5 Bud Light pitchers. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. Or like, you know, $2 PBR, you know, whatever, whatever's cans, cheap you know. or whatever the venue might comp for you. Right. <laughs> and so, so like my coming of age drinking was just that and like the cheapest red wine you could find, like in you a know, box. 
Oh, I wouldn't do the box. Slap the bag. I mean, I was bad though. When I when I was in Seraphine, like I would drink a, an entire bottle of red wine at every single show. That was like an Eddie Vedder thing, though, right? Because yeah, it was a bite of Eddie Vedder. Because because sure. Vedder would drink on stage. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and of course, you know, I tried to model everything in my life from age sixteen to twenty eight <laughs> after Eddie Vedder. Still, still rocking your Cubs hat, right? Still now. rocking the Cubs hat, you know. Still pretending I'm Eddie Vedder even now. But um, you know, in those days, though, like I remember. Uh, driving to University of Illinois and Seraphine and riding with our bass player Mike and not having a, a bottle opener to get my red wine open and we tried to push in the cork with a screwdriver and we couldn't so I told Mike to pull over and he was like what are you going to do and I just smashed the top of the bottle of wine on the curb of like Illinois 47 like in the middle of nowhere and I drank wine out of the shard bottle of fucking you know like Woo. yeah yeah rock star that, so I was entirely too hammered at that show but yeah so wine is pretty much the only thing I really drink I've started to do whiskey okay at like age 40 I started deciding that whiskey shots were, were appropriate I like getting drunk fast and not having an entire bloated belly at this point in time um, you know, but from a beer perspective, everything that I like, people just make fun of. Like, I'll say, like, like, hey, man, uh, can I get you beer? Like, yeah, dude, just give me uh, some Bud Light. Like, ah, fuck you, Bud Light. Like, okay, fine, man. Then just give me a, give me some uh, Kona. Ha, fuck that. Well, I was going to say, like, if you were to pick a beer, every time I come to your house, you always have Kona yeah. in, in the fridge. And I think, I think Kona beers are really good. Yeah, I do too. But when you talk to a beer guy, they're not, right? Yeah. They think, they, they think Kona brewing is, like, this weird, like mass marketed thing that that isn't a real brewery and i can tell you i've been to their fucking brewery like it's on the big island and it looks like a fucking brewery it doesn't look like right yeah you know yeah of course now they're distributed by anheuser-busch or some bullshit you know and so uh, a lot of big buyouts happening in recent years right yeah. but i mean like i love i love their various different i mean they, they they come out with different ones all the time you know and and the wailua wheat is my favorite one, you know, like I love that one and I can never find it out here. But when I go back to Hawaii, I like every place I go has it on tap. So I'm like, let's just do that, you know? And nice. And I drink a lot of fruity tropical drinks when I do, because like I have this weird obsession with Island life. So, you well, know, love a good fruit ale. Yeah. So, and I don't fruit mind the beers fruit are ales. good. Yeah. So, I mean, I can, I can hang and, and you, but do you ever do a uh, new Glarus serendipity? I have not. No. Go go to go to Wisconsin and get you some of that. Yeah. Uh, it is predominantly cherries, has some apple and cranberry in there. It's probably the best fruit beer I've ever had. Best fruit beer I've ever had. Yeah. yeah. See, yeah. You know, see, I would probably yeah. I would probably like that. It is funny though because like it doesn't taste like beer. As no, a, it, as a, it, it doesn't. It's more like a like a sparkling mm. like juice or something. Yeah. It's really good though. As a non as a non beer guy, it's hard to get away from it though. Like what you know, like I work with guys who are like. Because I, I, I'm not in the office very much anymore because I'm not located in Chicago anymore. But I'll, I'll roll into the office and I'll be like, hey, how are things going? Good, man. You have these 17 different types of beer. Like, I ain't have the fucking beer. Like, I don't know <laughs> what the fuck you're talking about. They just don't understand when somebody's like, like, what do you mean you don't like blah, blah, blah? <laughs> FOMO is a, is a thing. But it's okay to miss out on certain stuff. Totally. It's okay. Well, Except for the goddamn Cobra Lounge. <laughs> I'm a radio DJ. How do you like that? Yeah, that's stuff? good. That was pretty that's fucking good. good, wasn't it? Yeah, that was awesome. So you better have some FOMO. You better not miss out at the Cobra Lounge. I need to write things. I shouldn't have thrown my pen. But, but, but. Also, if all of our rambling, if you maybe missed a couple of the details, there's probably places where that's like posted and stuff. So can you guys both share uh, your social media handles on uh, wherever, whatever pages you frequent? 
I have an Instagram page called Scott Sweeney Music and a Facebook page called Scott Sweeney. And then I also have a personal Facebook page and a personal Instagram, which I probably will actually promote this on more. <laughs> you can find Treaty of Paris on Instagram at Treaty of Paris underscore music. And you can find me on Instagram at Daniel S. Wade. Awesome. It has been a, a pleasure having you on the holiday edition of the podcast. Thank you, guys. Cheers. Thank Cheers. you, Pooch. That's going to be it for Scott and Dan, but I'll be back for one more beer review and chat with my guy Pico right after this. Here is Seraphine with Thank You for Dancing. Thinks about him for hours And she's playing ugly to me Says how no one understands her she smiles, it moves me Oh, she grew up way too fast Stay young while you can I'll raise the bar next time we meet You'll have to prove yourself to me Many times I
For all of our latest show info, like upcoming interviews and guests, visit facebook.com slash AWD podcast and like us today. I hope we can be friends. We're friends to the end. Remember? All right. And we're back one final time here in the present. Or is it the past or is it the future? I don't know. Jumping back and forth with multiple guests in different locations gets a little bit confusing, not going to lie, especially a couple beers in. But we've got one more for you as well as one more discussion topic. And uh, this one is going to be an offering out of Colorado yet again. This is Weldworks Brewing. They've been around since 2015. And uh, this is something I'm really excited about. It is uh, a little sweet tooth beer. I'm, I'm finishing this off with a little bit of dessert. So this is called French Toast Stout. It's a milk stout. Uh, the logo is freaking badass. It has a, a piece of toast with a very curly Frenchish mustache because he's a French toast. Wee wee. <laughs> and uh, this milk stout is brewed with maple syrup, cinnamon, vanilla and milk sugar it is 7.1 percent alcohol by volume and uh i for one have been staring at this on my shelf ever since i got the shipment so i'm gonna crack this bad boy open and i'm gonna give us some pours and it is gonna go down smooth i hope Mm. nice deep chocolate color Got about like a pink, nice. pinky and a half of head retention there. Okay, so I, the smell. Now, you know, I just told you what's in it. I feel like I, in the smell, I almost get a, a faint, um, like a coffee brew, a coffee mm-hmm. bean, which is part of a, a nice, healthy morning breakfast. So I'm not, I'm not opposed to that. I like this. Um, yeah. First sip, definitely think hitting me with like a simultaneous kind of like a, that like dry coffee bean coffee brew that brew taste at the same time uh, a little bit of maple syrup i want to say it's there but it's fleeting it's not one of these syrupy pastry stout desserty over the top things that taste like straight syrup doesn't do that and for that i'm grateful because i I don't want to get the diabetes just a a little bit of, uh, of of cinnamon sparkle if you will uh throughout uh, I think that's pretty even. I, I don't really feel that right in the front or the back. I, I feel like it's just um, just a little bit of like spice throughout, like a, a hint of cinnamon. I don't get a lot of that. And then kind of uh, on the finish, maybe a little slight dab of the vanilla. I think I, I get that a tiny bit on the back end. And, you know, it says it has the milk sugar. Just a, a nice, subtle, nothing too overpowering about it uh, with a nice, sweet, smooth finish. I would say the thing that's most forward in it is actually that brew taste, and that's not something that's advertised. The coffee part is not something that's called out on the can per se. Uh, give me, give me your thoughts. You took a sip. Let me, let me hear what what you were tasting and what you were feeling overall on this one. I don't know, but it made me want a uh, French toast. So it makes nice. Me want breakfast. Slurp it up. Um, I could drink it with my breakfast. Do you do and you I want to feel bad about it? Do you feel like it does replicate French toast to a certain know, extent? I, I, I think like a, a slight. Like yeah, I don't feel like yeah. I bit into a piece of French toast right now, but I, I do feel like, uh, in a sense, it, in yeah. spirit, not directly, but yeah. in spirit, there's a little bit of that. To a certain that extent, French it has the flavor. French toast uh, flavor on it, and um, I love French toast. As do I. As do I. 
Uh, Almost as much as pancakes, baby. Oh, there you go. He did it again, but he's still going on the under, I think, so that's okay. So I want to say for a quick second, it it tastes like uh, French toast with all those flavors combining, and then I go to coffee. Yeah. I feel like just for a fleeting initial second, it's like, boom, French toast. And then it's gone and, and it washes over into like the brew taste of coffee, um, which is not a complaint. I mean, I, I don't want to say that it's not as advertised. It is. It's just I feel like the French toast is fleeting before the coffee takes over. And that's I mean, that's OK. I'm all right with that. Um, what would you say as far as a pints up, pints down? And then as a score, if you were going to rank it on untapped on, on, on a scale of one to five. I don't know. I think I'd give it a. A three, so I can't go pints up or pints down. I would give it a three. I would try it again. Uh, not a super fan. It gets the job done. I think I would give this a four. Uh, really? I like it. Yeah, it's... And the reason I think I give it a four is because as much as I'm a French toast whore and I would have liked it to that taste that's, to linger more... Yeah, that's why I'm giving it a three because of that. I'll still give it a four because I love coffee. So the only way... I don't, I don't feel cheated because I like coffee... But I could see if you were like gunning hardcore, like I want this to taste so sweet and so much like French toast and syrup, and then it didn't, yeah. and, and you thought coffee was more prominent. Um, I could see where there'd be a disappointment there. But because it's like win-win for me, mm-hmm. ooh, I love French toast, ooh, I love coffee, okay, I get a little bit of both in this. Like uh, For me, it wins out. So it, even though the can didn't say anything about coffee, we were not, uh, we were not misled by our taste buds. Uh, I'll read what it says on their untapped description. It says, French toast stout is brewed with lactose, cinnamon sticks, vanilla beans, and maple syrup. Decidedly sweet, yet surprisingly drinkable. Uh, I, I would agree. Yeah. Uh, very drinkable. Uh, it's not like one of those straight maple sugar bombs that are just like I can't get through those pastry stouts sometimes when they go too far in that direction uh so yes definitely drinkable it says french toast stout opens with a huge burst of maple syrup lending way to caramel malt sweetness a hint of bittersweet chocolate and coffee from the roasted malts subtle yet rich cinnamon spice from the Vietnamese cinnamon sticks and just a hint of vanilla in the finish which who said that I said that I feel so smart uh to round it all out it's breakfast in a glass no fork needed but uh before I let you go we have one last talking point and it's a, it's kind of a layup because it's it's not so much uh, debating a topic. It's just your personal uh, opinion, and and that is, uh, you know, people like to do New Year's resolutions. Uh, I don't want to ask you your specific New Year's resolution as far as like I don't care if you want to lose ten pounds. I don't care if you want a new job. I want to know what your New Year's boozolutions are. Uh, tell me in beer. Maybe in wine, in spirits, whiskey, bourbon, whatever it might be. Uh, what are, what are you resolving to do in 2020? Is, are you trying to drink more, drink less? Is there a certain like golden beer that you've heard about that you want to try and you haven't had yet that you want to chase down in 2020? What are you doing more of? What are you doing less of? Is there a specific one that you're targeting? Like, what are some of the things you hope to do in the next okay. year? So in the next year, I. Uh most people try, you know, to drink less. Myself, I'm trying to go to more breweries. Yeah. I'm a big uh, brewery fan, but I normally go to the uh, same ones. Yeah. Local ones. Because it's so, easy when it's yeah, right by Yeah, of course. You. So I'm trying to branch out my uh, my brewery visits. All right. All right. I can I and, can uh, dig yeah. that. Is that is that the big re- uh, resolution? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So I will match you in that. I need to do a better job of getting to breweries 
all around this fine Chicagoland area to the north, to the south, to the east, yeah. to the west. But I also want to piggyback that with some weekend trips to like Indiana, Ohio, Michigan, maybe even get to Minnesota. Like just try to hit up this Midwest. Uh, I do Milwaukee a lot. I, Road trip? I definitely want to go back there. Well, that, that's exactly what I was going to say. It's like, I think we could help each other out with our, our booze illusion like for 2020. Uh, I also want to uh, to not make it all about beer. I, I want to try as many breweries as possible. It's a never ending. It's like those people that have like the the board um, that they sell now with like the punch off or the oh, check off yeah. of like all the ballparks in Major League yeah. Baseball. It's impossible to even probably hit all the ones in like Illinois because they're just there's, there's always new so ones many. every year opening. Near um, us, there's so many. Just so I don't yeah. I don't ever plan for this to be like a finished project but I, I do want to uh at least try to like mm-hmm. venture out and just try new things and i think that's a fair resolution yeah. but i also want to try uh to be a little bit fancier uh at times uh, i do enjoy a glass of wine i kind of want to branch out and maybe like hit some wineries and maybe do a little like uh fancy steak and wine dinner more often i don't do that quite as much as i'd like and um maybe explore a little bit more with uh with like whiskeys and bourbon i don't do it mm. often but sometimes a, a nice little little sip there so uh I maybe like a good bourbon on the rock maybe hit a few more distilleries like i would like uh i'd like to feature them on this podcast but i don't uh necessarily need to do it i think that's one thing too from a personal standpoint is uh sometimes and i hate to say this it takes a little bit of the enjoyment out when you make all of it about work and like oh like anywhere I go, anything I put to my lips has to be featured on the podcast. That takes a little fun out of it. So I, mm-hmm. forgive me, listeners out there. I still want to do all this content for you. But sometimes I just want to scale back and just be able to go to a place just to go for my own personal enjoyment and not have to document it for social media or yeah. for this audio podcast. So I think that's that's my resolution. Good times. I like that. I like that. All right. All right. Well, uh, let's give one more sip to French toast. I'm out. But uh, well, sure, we'll, we'll, we'll fill you back up. Cheers. And uh, Pico, thank you for being a guest on the podcast. Uh, as always, a fun time every time you are on the program. And uh, I'll definitely have you again soon. And it's not over yet. For all the latest news and events, visit our page at twitter.com slash awdpod. And once you're there, make sure you never miss a tweet. Follow our Twitter handle at awdpod. There you have it. The lost episode has been found. Six months in the making. Repurposed and re-edited a couple different times along the way. And a lot has changed in the world between then and now. But on the bright side, well, the murder hornets didn't get us yet. So at least we have that. As always, you guys can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. And for news, updates, announcements, sexy pics and videos of the beers we're drinking and the fun glassware we're drinking them out of, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at AWD Podcast and on Twitter at AWD Pod. In fact, I'll give you the scoop on an announcement right now. During this pandemic, many work from home related gadgets have been completely sold out, price gouged on the secondary market, and subject to delayed shipping times. But we here at the podcast have slowly accumulated a fancy pants webcam, USB mic, and green screen, and we can now announce that starting in July, we're going to be recording online video interviews with many of our guests. This will serve two purposes. 
It's going to eliminate the need for the in-person interviews of old, which will help both host and guest comfort level with social distancing until we have a vaccine for COVID-19. But it will simultaneously provide scheduling convenience as well. It's oftentimes much easier for an owner, brewer, etc. to give you a half hour of their time from their couch at home as opposed to having me come to their brewery during potentially hectic business hours or worse, drive back to the place again for the second time that day solely for little old me. This new process can also open us up to more out-of-town and out-of-state interviews. We've done phone interviews with out-of-state breweries in the past. Well, now we can do video and audio chats all around the country if we'd like. So that being said, this new dual threat audio and video format of the podcast could very well stick around even after the pandemic has subsided. Now don't get me wrong, there is nothing better than the intimacy of a sit-down interview, especially when it involves drinking beers with the actual men and women responsible for their creation. So of course, we'll look to resume those types of interviews as well, just as soon as we feel that it is safe to do so. In the meantime, keep an eye out on our social media pages for all the latest. COVID delayed plans that we had in the pipeline for months, and we're really excited to finally start bringing those to you. So until then, please drink responsibly, don't drink and drive, be good to each other, and wear a damn mask when you're not seated at your table. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Literally, there's a webcam now. And that's going to do it for this episode of AWD. Be sure to follow us on social media for bonus content and all the latest show news and announcements. This has been the After Work Drinks podcast. Until next time, cheers. Hey man, I need a strong drink. But first, I need to sneak out of work real fast. Kick the shit off like a wedding crash. Hit my computer off, I slide past my boss, I will be tossed If I'm caught again, but fuck it, I'm on the cell phone calling all my friends How we do? People say I got hex games for brains Cause the way I live my life, I must be insane But life's an adventure, I just ride it out Live in the moment, might die tomorrow Relax, I don't write this song to make it back I wrote the song cause works out